The planet is heating up. The oceans are becoming filled with plastic. Change starts now. Change starts now. We're on a countdown. To zero waste. Five, four, three, two, one. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast. Here's your host, Laura Nash. And welcome to the ZWC. This is the 57th episode, and this is Johnny Cash on the intro with his song Big River. Whenever I hear St. Paul, Minnesota, that tune plays in my mind, and today we're talking all about St. Paul, Minnesota, and the Zero Waste group that's been quite active there, getting some excellent legislation passed, working with their municipal government, and hosting some pretty fun meetups in the area. So Christina Matson is joining us today. She's the co-founder of Zero Waste St. Paul. Yeah, it's Minnesota. I mean, it's, it's similar to Canada. <laughs> right? Yeah. And you know, it's it's interesting. I, I've said on the show a few times that we have challenges as a northern nation because we need to heat our homes and like use all this oil and gas and stuff. And it's really hard to find solutions to not like freeze to death in the winter and to have food, you know, that doesn't grow for nine months of the year. So it's, it's tough for us. Uh, we have mm-hmm. different challenges for sure. We so, have these uh, challenges here for thermostats, like you can play chicken to turn on their furnace the latest in the year. So um, our city council member, one of our city council members actually does this on our Facebook and she's like, who hasn't turned on their furnace yet? Not me. I'm wearing two sweaters, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> Yeah, so there's a big push for, like, you know, turning down the thermostat and uh, playing, you know, chicken. Like, my husband and I are both, like, I'm not I'm not going to be the first one to turn it on. <laughs> oh, good. So that, yeah. is that, like, a thing? Like, your city does that? I don't think it's our city, but one of our city council members just kind of just, just kind of jokes around with, like, I haven't turned it on yet. It's, you know, it, it's 62 degrees in my house. I've got a sweater on. What about you? My husband and I are playing thermostat chicken, you know, <laughs> And then people jump on and they'll say, like, me too. And, I mean, we keep our thermostat at 62 during the day and we'll maybe bump it up to 65 or 66 at night. That's Fahrenheit. I don't know the Celsius. I actually, I keep mine on Fahrenheit too, and I'm not sure why. So I keep my house at about 66 when I'm there. And yeah. that's anything under that, I'm like pretty cold. And that's with wearing like sweaters and slippers yeah. and wool socks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody has their own comfort levels. And, and like whenever we have it above, like my husband and I are both like, it's like a sauna in here. So, I mean, it's all about what you acclimate to, at least for us. My husband and I both run kind of warm. And so we at least, you know, are compatible in that way. So, <laughs> oh, that's good. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, Christina, you are the founder, right, of Zero Way St. Paul? Co-founder, correct. I have a colleague that I founded it with, a friend, colleague now. What's what's her name? <laughs> her name is Erin uh, Pavlika, and uh, her and I founded Airway St. Paul in the fall of 2017. Cool. Awesome. So it's been going on for a couple years. So it's very good. So thank you for doing that because we need more of these groups and places and resources, right? It's so nice to see. Mm-hmm. So what were your reasons for starting Zero Waste St. Paul? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back up and talk about what our mission is, and then that way it kind of yeah. ties into what are the reason why we started it. So Zero St. Paul is an inclusive citywide coalition of neighbors and businesses and elected officials, organizations. Um, we're all working together uh, to bridge waste reduction awareness with action. 
And we do that through advocacy, connection, and education. And we have this cute little phrase we use. It's called, working together, we can ace zero waste um, through advocacy, connection, education. It's a little bit of an acronym. Um, and um, why we founded it was um, back in 2017, we had a sustainable to-go packaging ordinance Amendment. So in St. Paul, there was an amendment on the books for 30 years um, that was not being enforced that was requiring our businesses to use not recyclable and compostable packaging. It's been on the books since like 1990 and was never enforced. Wait, wait. It was, so, so it was saying you have to use recyclable or uh-huh. compostable packaging? Yep. Yep. And it was never enforced. It was written and it was passed in 1990 <laughs> and it was never enforced um, because it was just way too restrictive. Wow. A group of people, yeah, in like 2015 up until 2017, went redrafting this this ordinance to make it, ironically enough, less restrictive <laughs> so they can actually be enforced. This amendment was then put before the city council in 2017, and unfortunately, it failed. So it was heartbreaking that this, this, this amendment that actually was making it less restrictive um, failed, but um, nonetheless, when we were standing in line, Aaron and I, to testify in front of the city council, we saw so many of the people that, you know, all of our intersecting circles of community organizing and engagement and friends and organizations, because we're both, we were both really engaged with our communities. And we're like, we need to bust some silos here. We need to get some organization because uh, what happened was that the city council tabled it for a year. So they're like, okay, hey, come back in a year and see if you've done more outreach and maybe we'll vote for it. So we're like, all right, we'll do that. And so we formed Early St. Paul and we were like, this, our mission was to bust all these silos, get people organized and to get this passed. Mm-hmm. And we did. <laughs> wow. So, okay, good. Yeah. yeah. Congrats. Um, That's awesome. Now this uh, February 2019, it finally, it was the, the can was kicked down the road a couple times, but we held them accountable <laughs> and got the vote. And yeah, it was quite the process. So what is the what was the final result of that being less restrictive? Right. So the final result is that we're going to, in January of 2021, St. Paul will have a ordinance that requires all businesses with food that's prepared for immediate consumption, like takeout food, to be packaged in packaging that can be either composted or recycled in the city of St. Paul. Wow. So that means no more polystyrene, otherwise known as styrofoam, mm-hmm. um, no more polylined takeout coffee cups, um, no more rigid polystyrene lids, no more black plastic, and no more number six plastic, number three plastic. Threes aren't typically used, but number, number sixes are used quite frequently, which is the number that is polystyrene in our packaging. So it'll be, it's a great triumph and it um, helps to create some uniformity because our sister cities, twin cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minneapolis has already had a similar ordinance on the books for quite a few years now, maybe three years now. And then another city close by to us, St. Louis Park has a similar ordinance and another city neighboring us um, named Aston also has a, a similar ordinance. And so we're trying to create some uniformity across the metro area, too, which makes it easier for businesses, too. So can people still sell Doritos? Yes. So that's not something that's prepared. So if that's gotcha. Dorito, yeah. we're like prepared on premises. 
right, Mm -hmm. and put in a to-go container and sold to a customer, then that burrito would need to be packaged in something that was either compostable or recyclable. No, not not burritos. Doritos, like Doritos, chip, chip bags. <laughs> no, that's okay. But like, I'm thinking of gas stations, like because that's not prepared because it's like gas station food. They can still sell Doritos, it's, right? Because that's not yeah. prepared on site. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. See, ah, uh, yeah. That's this is so amazing. Like, I feel like you're maybe one of the the top cities in America for like leading the zero waste movement in this case. Then because that's that's huge that you've got this going on. Yeah. I mean, wow. it was an uphill battle, too. At the state level, they tried. I'm not sure if you're familiar um, with the preemption movement that's going on in the United States. Um, but there is um, a coalition of legislators that are trying to push these types of legislation, which are called preemptions, which preempt like the passing of something on a local level. So, for instance, last year, two years ago, uh, Minnesota passed a preemption. Um, making it illegal for any city in Minnesota to pass a law banning plastic bags. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard about that happening in America mm-hmm. quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. And so there was a similar one that was um, trying to be passed um, in the crazy. spring of 2018 about preempting cities from passing packaging ordinances. <laughs> so that one did not pass at our state level. So... Fortunately, we were able to move forward with this ordinance at the city level. Wow, so you almost got blocked. Uh-huh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. And we were, Sierra Way St. Paul was at the state level advocating against that um, legislation. So, because we knew that our all of our effort would moot if that passed. So, right, yeah. Yeah. I feel, yeah. Like, I feel like it should be illegal to ban bans. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. It, it's very frustrating. <laughs> yeah, very much so. Um, because we talked to a scientist from Georgia. I've mentioned him a couple times, and mm-hmm. they tried to get the bag ban in Tybee Island in Georgia, and then the plastics industry came in and was like, "No, you can't ban plastic bags." So that's too bad. And that's like such an easy one to get rid of mm-hmm. in your life. Like that is the easy beginner thing because you forget your bags a couple times and then you don't forget them anymore because it's annoying to forget them. And um, in Victoria, where I live, there was a grocery store since probably 2003 or 2005 that never had plastic bags. And you go there once or twice and get caught and then you just remember them. <laughs> yeah, it's totally. Not that hard. You hold yourself accountable a couple times and you just don't, it's easy, it's easy to build that habit to not have to, to bring your own, you know? Yeah. yeah. So and, the, uh, the coffee. Yeah, so their plastic bags are also very, uh, we're, we're a city that's like concentrated right in the middle of the, of the country. Yet we're very coastal. We have the Lake Superior, we have the Mississippi River, you know, we have the St. Croix River. So we have lots of water, 10,000 lakes. And so the plastic bags, you know, really, really contaminate and pollute our waterways. So it's, it's one of those things too that, you know, in the coastal regions, they're really pushing it. But, you know, we're like, hey, we're kind of a coastal state, too, <laughs> even though we're right smack dab in the middle of the country. Yeah, because you've got all those those water systems. So mm-hmm. I wanted to ask a question about coffee, though, because you must have had pushback. Like, what is Starbucks going to do? You know, that's a good question. They've got two years to figure it out. <laughs> I feel like they, they might just go to court and try to fight it instead of actually like making positive change, which I hope not. And I, I should have more hope yeah. and, and give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they're going to comply. But, you know, you've got Starbucks, Dunkin' Donuts down there. You've got um, – mm-hmm. uh, what's that other big one? 
I don't know. Caribou coffee Mc- is another big one down where it? we are. And then yeah. like McDonald's um, is Mc- mm-hmm. McDonald's coffee is really big in Canada. Like people like that, and they have this little winner card thing where you collect pieces of the cup, and if you have ten of them or something, you get a free one. So everybody loves collecting those, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> well, they have to be compliant. They're already compliant in Minneapolis, but Starbucks, McDonald's. All those big companies are already compliant in the biggest city in our state already. Um, How, though? How are they serving their coffee? Because the coffee cups aren't – or are the coffee cups recyclable in that state? So Minneapolis had some rollouts for their different phasing out of items. And, you know, with myself being super hyper-focused in St. Paul, I'm not sure exactly how that rollout is is working out with um, Minneapolis. I need to check in with some of my friends over there. They just start those roll-ins. But I know that – one of the arguments for the preemption from a legislator in one of the cities that already has this in place, well, his mom goes to McDonald's at, in St. Louis Park and gets her big, big 25, I don't know, the biggest size, extra, extra large pop that she can get, sorry, soda, <laughs> um, <laughs> that she can get from some pop in Minnesota. Thing. We, we um, say pop too. <laughs> oh, you do? Okay, good. Because yeah. a lot of people don't know what I'm talking about when I say pop. Like popcorn? So she wanted to have the biggest pop possible, and he was complaining because the cup is compostable, that it was breaking down before she could finish her entire big gulp of her bigger, her like 30-ounce huge pop. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, but, you know, it's like, really, that's your argument is that your mom can't finish her McDonald's pop in time before the cup starts leaking? I, I don't think that's even accurate, but... My point there was like, that's a great opportunity for using a reusable mug. You know, like if you're going to have her pop in something, why don't you get an inflated mug and drink off of that all day? If you're and gonna also cut down on your your <laughs> yeah, pop. Absolutely. And I don't want to tell people how to live and stuff, but it's right. pretty unhealthy. It is. So, I agree. I mean, it, exactly. I mean, there's so many fronts of that were just like appalling. I was like, really? Yeah. Like, like, but so, so from that, I, I inferred that McDonald's was using compostable cups and compostables because that was the argument that this legislator at the state level was utilizing to say that we shouldn't have this because his mom's cup breaks down. <laughs> it's like, firstly, they, there's so many things to say about this. But. They use that <laughs> argument for straws too, that they get too soggy, like too quickly. Yeah. So yep. I know I just don't think they're like that valid of arguments like for for people who have a handicap and need straws like that is a good argument like we don't want right. people to not be able to drink right like that mm-hmm. is a good argument saying that it breaks down too quickly I don't know like drink it of the cup or bring your own or uh, drink faster I don't know <laughs> there's a lot of or, solutions you know, yeah bring your own cup I mean I don't anyway yeah so that so, so some of the cities in Minneapolis are are already utilizing those so I think it's just a matter of shifting. And, you know, when we get these big metro areas changing their, their ordinances, that does affect the, the, the areas around because, you know, for distribution and for, you know, just for costs for those big companies, they don't want to have, you know, one area of the state or one area of the metro area getting these cups and another area getting these cups. It's easier just for uniformity mm-hmm. to give everybody the same thing. And so we're hoping that that can create scalable change for... Yeah. It's just a simple city ordinance, but we do know that it can affect like those bigger companies and hopefully create scalable change. So is there a place online that we can check out the ordinance? Yeah, we have it on our website. Um, if you were to go on Zero Waste St. Paul, spelled out S-A-I-N-T, St. Paul, there is an area on there that says Advocate. And I believe in our advocacy chair, Melissa Wenzel, has put in um, some um, links to the ordinance in there. 
So, cool. and if that ordinance is still linked online, I know they they kind of rewrote part of it. So I'm I'm not sure at this current moment if it's if it's online or if it's still in draft. But it should be there should be some version of it up there. Mm-hmm. That sounds like a really good resource for people who are trying to bring mm-hmm. these things into their own communities, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. And we also utilize our district council. So in St. Paul, we're really fortunate to have a community council system, um, which is not our city council. It's below the city council. And not that it's lower, but just it's not the same. And we're not, it's not city council. Mm-hmm. And I'm on my respective community council. And then Erin Pavlica, my, the co-founder is on her respective city or community council. And then Melissa Wenzel, who is our advocacy chair, there end up being three of us who really worked hard on this as our board and she's on her respective, you know, community council. So we're all very engaged. And by doing that, we were able to pass a resolution in support of this ordinance amendment through 12 of our 17 community councils throughout the city. And those community councils advocate to the city council members about what their communities want. And so because of this resolution that we passed throughout pretty much the entire city, it held a lot of weight with the city council members um, so another another thing I want to stress for people who are wanting to emulate this is to really get grassroots. You know, you have to mm-hmm. go grassroots and hit your community council, hit your your PTOs, your schools. You know, really hit those areas that influence that that are those coalitions of nonprofits and groups of people that your elected official will be wanting their support, you know, Mm -hmm. because it is about politics. It is about getting reelected. It is about maintaining their seat. And if they think something like this is going to threaten their seat, they're going to pay attention. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so we made it clear we had a huge coalition of people behind us and it's an election year and we weren't shy about mentioning that. And, and we definitely looked at the power map of every city council member and tried to push on those. So we were very strategic. <laughs> Good. You know, that's one thing I will say about America is that your political system works and it, it, it does come from the bottom up and it is grassroots. I was in Utah when there were state elections there and it's quite different than Canada's. Uh, mm-hmm. Utah was voting on certain issues, which I thought was amazing because we don't really do that in Canada. We don't vote on certain issues. And then there were all different levels of people who get elected too, which is nice because then you're right. It gives you it, 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 it puts you more in touch with politicians and has like a, a bit of a chain of command. Uh, to put it in military terms, um, so so I I do admire that about about America. I think it's maybe easier to get things done. Yeah, we definitely have access. Or I, I feel like a lot of times with the United States, we all, a lot of us focus on our federal government, our president, and I try to bring people back down to like where your where your government really is going to be impacting you the most is local, and where you have the strongest weight and strongest voice, and your voice has the most weight and power is local. And so Zero Waste St. Paul is a nonpartisan group. We highly stress that we are not a partisan group and we invite anybody. We don't care what your political affiliation is. If you want to work on this issue, you're, you're part of us, you know, because this environment should not be partisan. And so, and once you get down to the hyper local level, the partisan politics kind of really does kind of um, fade away quite a bit. Those partisan issues that divide us you know, aren't really relevant when we're talking about, you know, trash. (laughs) And so we really try to stress that and create cohesion and collaboration in that way. 
Good. I'm so glad to hear that because in Canada, our federal liberal party has made it a partisan issue and it's really getting tired. Of- yeah. I mean, it is a partisan issue here, but we're trying to not make it a partisan issue. I mean, it definitely I like that. is a partisan one, but in Germany, St. Paul, we, we stress very much that we are nonpartisan. Yeah. So let's talk about a little more um, about St. Paul. So are there specific problems? Like you were saying that you have you have a couple rivers there and you're right on the bottom of Lake Superior, right? We're about three hours south of Lake Superior, okay. but, you know, the whole watershed district is there. And what happens in the Twin Cities um, ripples out to the rest of the state. And so, yeah, I mean, what we do here can, it does definitely affect the lakeside communities up north. Mm-hmm. So are those kind of your your specific area challenges like you have really good municipal recycle pickup do you have food scrap collection we do have municipal single stream well it's contracted through a nonprofit, but it is, it is through our city um single stream recycling mm-hmm. and then we are going to be getting organics recycling curbside in 2021 and that is another thing that our group is our advocacy committee is working on um, advocating strongly for is that twenty is on um, that curbside composting or mm-hmm. organics collection, and um, one of the challenges though in St. Paul, our waste is managed by our county. So, but I'll just I'll just use St. Paul to keep it simple. All of our trash is burned for energy. Yeah, so I know that that can be a controversial subject in the zero waste communities. Um, I personally am not in favor of burning trash. I'm a registered nurse, and my background is in hematology, oncology. That's I'm just really passionate about reducing the toxic burdens, you know. Of oncology? Only... Oncology is cancer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. sorry, yeah. So I worked in oncology and hematology for over a decade, and that was one of the main reasons why I really started paying attention to waste, was I just was seeing firsthand the toxic burdens of people and realizing that, you know, it's a lot to do with, the burdens of our pollution in our environment, you know? Mm-hmm. And so when I found out that all of our trash is being burned, all 440,000 tons, almost a trillion pounds a year, just for our county in Minnesota. Um, it's insane. It's insane, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and we make less trash on average than a normal American does. It's um, frightening, hey? Uh, uh-huh. We're still, we make about a pound less, our county does, than the average American, but we're still burning over 800 um, million pounds of trash. A like year. a pound less per person? Yeah. Our average, I've averaged it out. With, it's about 3.3 pounds per person in, in Ramsey, Washington County, which is the two counties that work together to manage our, our waste disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe that the average for Americans is about 4.4. And that's not including recycling. That's just including what goes into municipal solid waste. So, oh, my gosh. Recycling, it would just put the weight up so much, right, with the mm-hmm. paper and the plastic? Yeah. It's crazy and to it think is, about. It is. It's so crazy. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, the, the, the challenge is it's all being burned. And another challenge is that we have a lot of um, food going into our, our municipal solid waste stream um, because of the fact we don't have a curbside organics program. We but do have coming. drop sites. Yeah. We have um, county drop sites, so um, we don't have like a organic curbside composting option or collection that picks up like with our trash or recycling yet. So what our county offers is like a county drop site. So there's quite a few drop sites where people can go during certain hours of the day and bring their, you know, organics in their compostable bags and drop them off. 
And there's a lot of, you know, impact on that because people are driving their trash to a place to, you know, to get it composted. So it's, or they're organic, sorry. So there's, there's an impact on that as well. And so there is a little bit of controversy with, you know, expanding those drop sites. But that is something that, you know, Zero Waste St. Paul is advocating for because we do see that in diverting those organics out of your waste stream has a huge impact. I mean, 40% of our waste at least is compostable. And so that's a huge way that I at least advocate in my classes that I teach, you know, I'm all about the 80-20 rule, like, you know, try to get the most impact, at least amount of effort. And I feel like the, that composting organics is the easiest thing that people can do to get the most impact of waste reduction. Totally. Yeah. It's a massive, massive part of my zero waste lifestyle because it just takes away so much. Like we produce a couple buckets of food scraps every week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and it just goes out to our home composter so we're good and then we mix mm-hmm. it with leaves and you know we can we can use it so and and but that's the problem when you're living in the inner cities is you don't have room for that so that's why the community collection really helps with that but uh we had a lot of problems in Ottawa here in my province with people just not wanting to do it mm-hmm. so that is a huge challenge to get people to participate because I find people are a little bit afraid or grossed out by their own waste, which to me is mm-hmm. silly. And I don't know if you have kids, but... Yeah, I have three children. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, you you know, like when you have kids, you deal with like the gross, gross parts of life. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. And you're a nurse. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, I'm like yeah. preaching to the choir here. But yeah, it, waste is just a, a really natural, normal part of life. And it really gets you like hands on into the, that yeah. stuff. And it, it, it makes it very easy like dealing with your food waste is so much easier than dealing with you know kids diarrhea or like right <laughs> all that totally. other stuff <laughs> oh yeah and you know and, and the thing is though my husband was kind of hesitant about us doing you know our we have a backyard compost as well and we just take what we can't compost in our backyard we take to the county and he was really hesitant he was like it's gonna smell it's gonna be gross you know and now he's like the biggest advocate he's like like our trash doesn't stink anymore you know, Good. we don't have any trash smell anymore. Right. I'm like, yeah. exactly, because you're, you're, you know, because your trash can sit there for over a week or what, however long, and then it's just that the, the food is just getting putrid in there versus you have your compost bucket and you're emptying that out every day. You have no food just rotting in your kitchen anymore, you know? And so I, that's one of the things I really um, stress when, when I teach classes is like, I, my husband's a super smeller and he can smell things and he's so excited that we compost now because we don't have smell in our garbage anymore, yeah. you know, and that really piques the interest. Like, really? I thought it was the opposite. I'm like, no, actually, you know, it, it works out really well and it, you will find that your trash won't stink anymore. <laughs> And you won't get flies and you won't get bugs and it'll be great. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes I don't even have to rinse mine out. So if I fill up my little stainless steel compost bucket and then take it out, I'll, I'll, I'll smell. I'm a super smeller too, which is like more of a curse, I think, than anything. But I will, I'll smell it and I'll be like, yeah, this is fine. So I'll either maybe just give it a quick rinse or, or whatever and put it back under the counter and fill it up again. And then after a while, if it does smell or if there's something stuck to it, then I'll wash it with hot soap and water. But it's very easy to take care of and it never smells. I only empty it 
twice a week and mm -hmm. I never have any smells. And, and when you go away, you never have to worry about your garbage smelling. So before I was living this lifestyle years ago, I would always have to make sure if I went away for a week or something that all the garbage was taken out and, and taken care of. And now it doesn't matter because I don't have that stuff sitting there. You just have to take out the compost. So yeah, it's easy once you get into it, which is yep. good. So I was looking on your site and what I really like is that you have a lot of really cool meetups. Yeah. Which is really great because, you know, you can come and sit and listen to someone talk or you can go do really fun things. So what are some of the, the meetups that you host? Yeah, I'm glad you really asked that question because um, that's one of our one of our biggest things that's most popular with our group is and it's really a bridging for other things. Um, so I guess that our mission is, you know, advocacy, connection, and education. And so under that connection umbrella, um, we hold quarterly happy hours. They're super popular. And in the past, we're holding monthly meetings. However, they weren't well attended because, you know, it's kind of dry just coming to a meeting talking about, you know, public policy and, uh, you know, like mm -hmm. committee reports. And so we decided to put those on Zoom to create um, more engagement and to decrease the carbon footprint of those meetings. Ooh, um, yeah. So we, and also, so anybody around the world or, you know, the country or the state can watch and get in touch with us and what we're doing. So we've been doing those via Zoom. And since the Sustainable to Go Packaging Ordinance Amendment passed in February, a lot of our more acute and imminent things that we were working on very, you know, timelines hadn't been quite as necessary for us to meet every month. So we're revamping that and possibly going to be moving that to a uh, quarterly meeting and then increasing meetings as necessary for certain events, certain things that may be coming up that need more meeting. But um, with that, yeah, we're going to increase our happy hours. And there are so many businesses that we found through our research when we were doing our sustainable to go packaging ordinance amendment outreach that we want to showcase. So we're, we're rotating our happy hours around those establishments. And so these businesses are really happy to host us. And then we publicize them on our Facebook, on our, our Twitter and on our website. And then they welcome us there with open arms and are just happy to get exposure and publicity for the great things they're doing for sustainability. Good. Yeah, that's good. And they're, they're very popular, right? The meetups, people like oh, to go have a drink, talk. 40 people show up. Um, good. Yeah. We, the last one we had was I think 40 and one we had before, gosh, I think 35, 35 to 40 people roll in, you know, it's, it's hard to keep a headcount because people kind of roll in and roll out. But yeah, they're really popular. Is and, it structured? Like, are people speaking or is there no one speaking at all? Um, you know, we've we've had it where we've done some commingling of our advocacy and a little bit of speaking with the with the happy hour. But a lot of times, with with where we're at, um, it's hard to have a speaker because of the noise at a brewery and things like that. And we want to be more of an open house style, mm -hmm. but. Yeah, so we've been just having it feel really, really open and just people coming to meet other like-minded people and connect with each other. People are meeting each other on our Facebook group. I didn't mention that. We have a Facebook group that's a um, closed group. Anybody can join it, though, that lives within St. Paul or the, the um, surrounding suburbs. We have over 700 people in that group, and it's just for people who want to connect with other people who are trying to reduce their waste. And we have a no shame policy. We're not going to waste shame anybody. That's a big thing. We want anybody, wherever they are on their journey, to feel comfortable in this space 
and to just grow from wherever point they're at to reduce their weight. Good. So yeah. people are excited to meet each other in real life after they've been kind of talking and conversing on this Facebook group, like, oh, we talked on Facebook, you know. Mm-hmm. And so we're trying to create opportunities for these people in our connections group to meet each other in real life. Are you on Instagram too? Um, you know, we're getting there. We're getting on Instagram, yeah. <laughs> I need to be better about updating our Instagram accounts, but uh, we are on Twitter and um, we are on Facebook and we have our website. But my goal this summer is to get a little more active on our Instagram account. What's your Twitter handle? Okay, it's D-W-S-T-P-A-U-L. So are you working on a current project right now? Um, so our advocacy committee is working on those um, 20, 24-7 drop sites that are locally placed throughout our county and city for organics recycling. Mm-hmm. Um, they are working on um, getting a, we have throughout several counties in Minnesota called a Master Re- Recycler Composter Program. I went through the program in a neighboring county, so I'm what's called a Master Recycler Composter or an MRC. It's a six-week course. Um, and after you're done um, and you put in volunteer hours, you become a certified MRC. And so I am one of those, and we're trying to bring that program to Ramsey County and to our city if the county won't host it. And we found out that our city is going to be doing that, and we have been um, providing some support for the city to um, review the program content and to help publicize that once they launch it. Mm-hmm. And regarding education, we've got an education series coming through in the fall through Community Ed. We're going to be bringing another intro to zero waste class, a composting class, a recycling class. And then I'm still in the process of getting one more educator. I'm hoping to get somebody to talk about like zero waste with children or mm-hmm. families. Uh, our education committee has been um, really busy with educating with Sierra Club. Um, we're going to be tabling at quite a few places um, throughout the summer, lots of summer events, you know, carnival, things like that. We've been invited to come and just be a voice for race reduction. Yeah, it's it's been busy. And then our connections group is busy, you know, planning happy hours and um, administrating our connections group on Facebook. And, yeah, it's been uh taking off. I mean, our group was contacted a couple weeks ago, five times in one week for education. So people are hungry to learn this and it's really exciting. And I'm just really feeling like we're in the right place at the right time. (laughs) And it's been a really wonderful journey to connect with all the different people around this area of the city who are like-minded and who are just raring to just like help everybody, you know, who's you know, these early innovators in the city, you know, wanting to to help, you know, some of the later innovators get on board, you know, if you look at people as a bell curve. So, yeah, it's, it's so exciting. And what about in your own life? What are some things that you do on kind of a daily basis to reduce your trash? Well, um, I mentioned before I have three kids. So um, my kids are age 11, 9, and 5. We do a lot of things around the house on a daily basis, you know, and it's basic stuff like just refusing a lot of things before we even get into our house. Um, because once it's in your home, you know, it's, it's already too late. So we do a lot of just refusal. And that's, you know, definitely something that is a ongoing journey with having children and finding that balance. We reuse and 
almost everything that comes into our house. So like clothes, furniture, pretty much everything that come into our home is, is bought secondhand. Um, and we did it very intentionally. I would say probably at least 75% of our furniture and good 80% of my wardrobe, you know, minus my undergarments have been bought used and my children's as well. This is something that comes up a lot with our, our meetups is, you know, how to get their spouses on board. And so it's, that's been definitely, you know, not necessarily a struggle, but it's been something where my husband and I are working on trying to be more aligned with, you know, with purchasing things used. You know, he's more in the mindset of buying things that are quality that last a long time, which is another good thing to consider too. So yeah, yeah. we make sure when we buy things that they have quality. We repair things. We try to repair things before they would be either trashed or recycled or composted. Both our cars are bought used. So we live in the city. We try to reduce our use of our cars a lot. Water conservation. If you live in an area with lots of water, you know, our fresh water is precious. And so I really want to instill that in my children is that we don't waste water. You know, mm-hmm. we do our best not to waste water. And we try to buy in bulk where you reduce our packaging as much as possible. So many things now are just so habitual that I don't even see that we do them anymore. So when people ask me, what do you do? I have to really think like, oh, yeah, what what do we do? Not It's been so long. I don't know if you've run into this to yourself when you try to explain what you do, that some of the things are so much of a habit now that it's hard to remember the time that you didn't do them, that it's harder to to see everything that you do. So I'm trying yeah. to think of everything we do and it's it's because it's just so normal and routine and rote. But yeah, we bring our own bags to the grocery store. We compost our food scraps. We work really hard on reducing our food waste by planning meals, by, you know, making sure the kids and my husband and I eat things that are need to be eaten up first. So I try to keep those things in the front of the fridge. So that those are the first things they see. So they grab those things that need need to be eaten first. Reducing our car usage. I put only put 3,000 miles on my car last year. And because we use our bus, we walk, we bike. We chose a location for our home specifically near our kids' school. So they could walk to school and not have to use a car. Oh, gosh. What else? Um, Do your kids notice the other children at school? Because... yeah. Yeah, my my son will come home and say sometimes that the kids eat really, really unhealthy, like lots of candy and mm-hmm. lots of like garbage and stuff. So you your kids notice that too? Yeah, my son, I pack him a lunch probably a couple times a week with a metal tiffin. I use a mason jar for his applesauce and, you know, everything is it's a zero waste packed lunch. And his friends are like, you know, all using Ziploc bags, and he's just like, Mom, why can't you just pack me a lunch like everybody else? And oh, like, no. You know, <laughs> and I'll say, Mom, you just need to tell your friends that, you know, that your lunch isn't making waste and that it's important to reduce waste. This is why we do it, to use it as an educational opportunity. My son doesn't doesn't really ask for any of the garbage, which I really like. I, I'm more worried about the other end. Like, I don't want him to feel like he's superior or anything. So we talk about it and say, you know, it's, yeah. it's okay. It's just that they don't know or their parents don't know. But we're right. doing a really good thing. And maybe in the future, more people will have less garbage and we're working on it. And my son's very aware that I work on this podcast. And so yeah. he listens to a lot of them because I'll be editing when he's like playing with his toys or something. So he, How old is he? he he's eight. Okay, so, so about the same age as my son, too. My son just turned nine. Yeah. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, he really he really notices it. It's funny, though, because when we're out like it's you know that that psychology experiment, you probably remember this from university if you're a nurse about they put these marshmallows in front yep. of a kid and we're like, you. I think it was like you can have this one marshmallow, but if you wait a little bit of time, you can have many more marshmallows and like none of yep. the, none of the kids could do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's how you that's how you always freak me out because it was like I tried to have my kids and they all took the marshmallow right away and I was like, because that's like the biggest indicator for like success or something. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> I think it's like pretty normal that like pretty much almost exactly. all kids, I think it was at five years old or something, but it's right. funny because sometimes my son will really, really ask for something when other kids are getting it or whatever. Or like if his grandmother has these like freezies in a plastic bag, like I would oh, never mm-hmm. buy those, but I, I'm i like, okay, but you know, it's garbage. Yeah. And he's just like, you can just see it's like, cannot compute, like must have treat also. <laughs> Just yeah, and it's hard. It's hard it. traversing like those sticky situations, like with family members. And you know, I, one of the things I say in my classes too is that people are always more important than things. People are more important than things, and so we cannot get be successful in this waste reduction movement if we isolate ourselves or do things that like disrespect other people and their cultures. Yeah. Right? I find like vegan, right. veganism is a bit. It can be really disrespectful to other cultures. And I, I respect what vegans are doing so much. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to reduce your meat consumption and oh, sure. not eat animals. So I'm like totally on that page. But for me, from a, a northern nation, like my ancestors survived with like a cow and like in the woods. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dairy and meat are such a part of our culture. And then my son is First Nation. So He's like moose, salmon, berries. Like that's that's what they ate for thousands, probably 10,000 years uh, yep. if the glaciers didn't cover Haida Gwaii, which we don't think they did. <laughs> I'm getting on a weird topic here. But anyway. No, it's, I'm, I'm part, I'm part um, Dakota. So very oh, like cool. my great-grandfather was. So, I mean, I don't have any tribal affiliation, but like genetically, like my great-grandfather was, was Dakota Indian. Oh, cool. So I – yeah, and I've just stopped eating dairy myself, and my health has improved. And I'm like, oh, well, maybe it has something to do with my historical heritage. <laughs> because they didn't, didn't have it for so long. <laughs> yeah, right? Whereas, like, I'm yeah, yeah. I'm totally 100% Irish, Canadian, so we would have had dairy, like, forever probably. But but then mm-hmm. he didn't. So I actually wondered if he'd be lactose intolerant, but he's not. <laughs> he seems yeah. to handle it quite well. But but anyway, so that, that that's <laughs> tough, right, when you, when you yeah. go to other countries that are – are really eating all this stuff to be like, oh, you're so evil. And it's like, well, that's, you know, the, the culture. And we, we see this because First Nations are, their traditional meals are very meat heavy and, mm-hmm. and hunting heavy, right? And then we have these activists who are like, don't hunt, like don't seal hunt, all this stuff. But right. it, it really conflicts with with their culture. So it's uh, it's tricky. It is very tricky. And, you know, I think I think we need to be also thinking more about like not like He's like vegan or vegetarian, but like I think we really need just to be a little more just I want to say critical, but I have a a more of a focused eye on just the standard American diet in general. You know, like how about instead of like like pointing fingers at meat eaters, why don't we just like talk about like creating more options and availability of vegetables for people? Yes, you know? yes, and and creating like subsidies for our government to subsidize vegetables versus you know meat and dairy. I mean, not that meat and dairy are important, but 
the average American does eat more meat than we need and because it's so more, cheap and readily available. Yeah, and then we see it – you'd probably see it as a nurse in health, right? If you're just eating mm-hmm. like tons and tons of meat and you have like so much extra weight on you, that's not really not healthy and that's going to suck for you right. later on, right? Uh, yeah. and, and we have this issue here up here of like building on farmland because we only have a finite amount of farmland for crops. And if we keep building and building on it, then – we're going to have to rely on other countries to like import our food, which isn't good yeah. for, for our carbon footprint. So I totally agree with you if we could just encourage more veggies and, and grains and stuff rather than like making people feel like really terrible about their culture, I guess. Right, right. And it's and also, you know, just addressing just the basic, we waste 40% of our food. As as a nation, I mean, I don't know if Canada is about the same as the United States, but Probably. I know the United States, it's, it's 40%. Of food, food is wasted. wasted. Yeah, I think we're yeah. similar. And it's like over $30 billion or something worth of it. So yeah. it's it's a huge problem here too. And in many places in the in the 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 rich the richer nations I think have a bigger mm-hmm. problem with it, I guess. And when I like. when I teach my classes too, I say if you're gonna eat meat, I'm an eater, I say don't waste it. Be very respectful of the meat that you buy. Like if do not waste your meat. Like plan your meals around if you don't if you're gonna waste just do not waste meat. <laughs> I just said that in an episode too because it's like so much worse. Like if you can't eat like a half a carrot, it's like okay. But if something like died, <laughs> you know, like that's yeah. a lot of energy it took and it was a right. – yeah, totally and agree. It was something that was alive. Let's respect it. If you bought it, like like I try to buy a whole chicken and then I will roast that chicken and we'll eat that chicken and then we'll put that chicken bone in the mixed stock and we'll eat – you know, every part of that chicken is used. And I explain this to my children. We probably eat vegetarian like three days a week. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a vegetarian. I'm, I will never be a vegetarian. Um, I have been in the past. It was not good for my health. Again, you know, who knows why, right? Maybe it's you your know? genetics or something. I've tried right. too. I tried to go vegan and I kept falling asleep on my couch. Like I, I – yeah. it was really tough. And people have said, well, you didn't do it right. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I like read and was eating lots of balanced stuff. Yeah. Um, so – but I don't, I don't eat too much meat really. But uh, what do you do with the bones after you make soup? I put them in my county compost. I can't Good. do my backyard, so our county takes those things like bones and meat scraps and um, those, those paper products and those recyclable plastic or compostable plastics. We try to avoid those, but they do come in. And so those all go to the, go to the county. And so anything that's not of an animal source can go in my backyard. The exception of egg eggshells, I put those in my backyard. And those are fine. I always tell people, if you're going to start, what can, what, what can I do? What's one thing I can do? I can't shop zero waste. I'm like, you know what? Don't worry about that. Just worry about not wasting your food and composting your or recycling your compostables, your organics. You will cut, you will make the most impact with the least amount of effort by just getting those two things. Then once you get that down, let's talk about shopping more zero waste. But until you get that down, I don't want to even worry about that yet. You know, I don't even want to talk about that yet because regard, because once you start composting and you're getting more in touch with your garbage and you're touching it and you're, you're seeing it, then that, then you're going to be able to think more outside of the garbage can and go, oh, I didn't realize I had all this plastic in my trash, you know, like, because mm-hmm. now you're not thinking, you can actually look in your trash because you don't have that food rotting in there. And then it's easier to do a waste audit with them and say, okay, now that you're composting and now that you're getting all that food out of your trash, let's look at what's still there. Now we can talk about how we're going to, you know, reduce your packaging now we're going to talk about how you can shop in bulk and and because sometimes sometimes if you give it all to somebody all at once you're just gonna just freak out and i can't do any of this and just like get overwhelmed and not do anything at all and so 
if people want to do all that at once, they're like, great. But a lot of people, it's like, what, if I can just do one thing, what should I do, Christina? I'm like, always like, hands down, just start composting your, your food scraps. <laughs> If you can just do that one thing. And maybe I should change what I tell people because when people ask me, I usually say cut out the big three, which is shopping bags, coffee cups, and plastic beverage bottles. But composting is huge. So, yeah. I mean, they're, but but all four of those things are like oh, for sure. huge steps. Like they make such a huge impact. And imagine if just a million people did that. Or imagine if everybody just stopped those three things and composted. Yeah. It would be I mean, enormous. And then talking about, like, how much money you're wasting on your food. Because once you start composting, you start becoming more, like you said before, people are afraid of their trash. They don't want to touch it. It's gross. Like, you become more comfortable with it, you know? You become more aware of it. You become more hands-on with it, right? And um, and so when you're throwing your food scraps in the compost and you're seeing it in there, oh, like, next you can go, okay, and you're making the visible, invisible visible, right? Before you weren't seeing yeah. that wasted chicken because you threw it in your garbage can and it was away, right? Mm, now yeah. it's there and you can see it and you're completely like, oh. So now, now I also say to people like, okay, like now that you know better, you can do better. Now that you see that you're doing this waste, what can you do to reverse engineer that? What can you do to now go, all right, I wasted that chicken. Okay, that's done. I can't go back and like save that. But what can I do to prevent that from happening in the future? And so, you know, we talk about meal planning and successive meals and freezing and being okay with eating chicken a couple days a week. Choose your protein for the week and just eat that the whole week and being comfortable with leftovers. And, you know, kind of like a game out of it, you know, especially with my kids, it's a game, you know, not just like game of eating all the food, but just like not taking more than you need. You know, not we're not a clean plate club, but like just being mindful of the portions that they put onto their plate, mm-hmm. you know. So next time, like, oh, I thought you took more food than you needed then, you know, maybe next time just take a smaller portion next time. Oh, that's a good point, mom. I'll do that next time. You yeah, know? you know, that's a good point, too, because I've never been a clean plate club. Like I saw someone one time be like, OK, you have to drink all of your milk to their oh. their son who was like visibly overweight. And the son was like, I don't really want to finish my milk and he's like finish your milk and so the yeah kid is like chugging it's not, that's not respectful to our children <laughs> no it's terrible and it, it leads to weight problems i will say it's straight up like yeah i've never been that i i try and make my kid eat his vegetables which is a challenge enough so if he wants you know any other food or whatever i'm just like please just eat this carrot and then mm-hmm. you know eat what the other stuff on your plate. So I'm like very adamant about him eating those vegetables because if I'm not, he won't. But then right. otherwise, yeah, if he can't finish it. And you know what? Um, I don't think in years now I've ever had a problem with him not finishing his food. He just eats it all up and it's not a problem. Right. And it, and it's probably because of your philosophy of like he's not being forced, you know, no. and, and you know, the clean plate club. And, and I'm sure he chooses appropriate portions or you do too, you know. And, and with my kids too, like I don't know if you have this happen with your kids a lot, like I'm hungry right when you're making dinner. It's like, okay. And they're like carb starving, you know, but I'm like, if you're really hungry, you can have some carrots. If you're really hungry, I'll cut you up an apple. And usually like, okay, fine. And they'll like eat it. You know, (laughs) that's the best way to get veggies and fruits into picky kids is when they're really, really hungry. Just that's the only option. And I totally do that. Like if he's starving, I'll be like, okay, your options are like, I'll look in the fridge. I'm like, carrot or broccoli. (laughs) What do you, (laughs) what do you want while you're waiting? You don't want to eat it. You're not that hungry. (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, no, that's a great way of getting nutrients yeah. into children. Also, <laughs> it's also the way to use up that food. And also, like, yep. for instance, my son, I'll cut him up carrots for his lunch. And then he'll bring them home and sometimes he won't eat them. I go, oh, good. You're going to have those for snack before dinner. <laughs> He's like, oh, man. <laughs> but, you know, I also want to make sure we go through his lunch. And I go, okay, these are the ways you could have, like, did I put too many of this in your lunch? Like, how can we prevent this food waste? Because you come home really hungry and you're not eating all your lunch. What's going on? So, yeah, and I just am so disgusted by how much waste is in our schools, too, for food. Yeah, I have that problem with school, too, because they give out like it's milkshake day coming up. And I'm just like, oh, now I have to be now I have to make my kid feel terrible by not having it and participating or I have to participate and like make garbage. I'm like, why are right. you putting me in a situation? Just give them ice cream cones. <laughs> you know? Right, right. <laughs> or we talk about like, too, like, OK, you participated in this and um, you, you made this cup of trash. Like, that's the trade off you had to make to participate. I want to uh, create autonomy for my children to, to make those decisions. And so, you know, my son will come home and be like, Mom, you know, I'm like, well, I'm glad. At least he's cognizant and he's aware of it. And he's, you know, not just mindlessly, you know, doing it. So, like, my kid had a um, lemonade stand with his, her friend down the street last weekend. And I'm like, okay, people are better. People, I love, they're, they're good friends of us, and but they're not on the same mindset of trash with us but I'm working on it you know this is where you role model and you don't shame and you just you know you, you, you do you and they do them and did you bring you your own your cup best. did you walk your own cups down I did walk my own cup down good that's but, but that's they good had plastic number six solo cups for, and I was just like cringing like oh but my daughter was having such a good time and I was just like oh but quite a few people came with their own cup for their for good. their um, lemonade which was great but it's those situations where it's like deep breath People are more important than things. People are more important. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay. And by by making a big deal about these cups, I may be losing opportunity later down the road to to help my friend learn how to compost because she's been asking me to and to, you know, prohibit my friend, my daughter from having a friendship and all these things. So it's such a fine line to tread. And so I always tell people when I when I when I in my classes, just like I want you to go out of this class inspired to be a good role model, inspired to, to create connection, inspired to to um, be open to people asking you questions, but mainly to connect and to make sure we are not, like, isolating ourselves because we are not going to impact people if we isolate ourselves. We need to make sure that through this process, we are not isolating ourselves from others who are not like-minded. And if you judge people and make them feel bad, they're just not going to like you and find exactly. they're going to find reasons to disagree with you if you offend yep. them. And, you know, it, and over time you build rapport and those every little time they interact with you, it, it sinks in. Like my friend Erin was further along than me four or five years, five, six years ago we met, my goodness. And she has really inspired me. And then it's a ripple effect. Like I'm inspiring others. And just never underestimate that maybe somebody right now isn't where you are, but them just watching you and seeing you and you being kind and compassionate and connecting with them and not pushing them away and being judgmental. More times than not, these people come around and go, oh, can you tell me more about what you do there? Or can you show me what how I can do this? And you become their go-to guru. 
Mm-hmm. Well, it so, sounds like you are a very inspirational person. So I'm so glad to talk to you today. And it's so cool that you have this group because you have so much knowledge and so many good things to say. And you're doing it on a political level. And then you're doing it on the grassroots level. And then you're doing it like at the bar, <laughs> like hanging out with people. Yeah. So it's perfect. Yeah, and I also want to stress that it's not just me. It's definitely a, it's a group effort. Yeah. Myself, Aaron, Melissa, you know, other people who are involved in their way, St. Paul, I really don't want to take myself as take credit for it. It's, it's, it's completely a team effort, and I'm just one voice of Fairway St. Paul. And I super appreciate the opportunity to talk with you. Your, your podcast is amazing, and thank, thank you. you for what you're doing, and keep up what you're doing. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, all of us from all around the world doing our little bits, and it's coming together, and we're going to make a difference. It's just a huge, huge, huge problem to solve, but yeah. we have to start somewhere, and I'm not intimidated by big mountains of, as problems. So Sounds good. So, so thank you so much again and um, have a great day and uh, hopefully we'll connect again soon. That was Christina Matson joining us from Minnesota. She's the co-founder of Zero Waste St. Paul. If you like our show and want to help save the world from all this trash we're consuming, please consider donating to the Zero Waste Countdown. You can become a patron on Podbean. You can find me on Patreon. Or you can donate right on the website, zerowastecountdown.com. And if you're interested in seeing a photo of our guests, you can check us out on Instagram. That's zero underscore waste underscore countdown. And if you want to email me, it's laura at zerowastecountdown.com. Thank you for listening, everybody. Thanks to all our listeners in America, Canada, Australia, Germany, the UK, and wherever else you may be tuning in from. Together, we're going to change the world. Change starts now. This is the Zero Waste Countdown Podcast.